Thursday and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Apollo 13 Minute, a show where each and every day, Monday through Friday, we go over one minute of probably the greatest space history movie ever made, the 1995 Ron Howard directed feature, Apollo 13. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm your other host, I'm Chris Henry from the EAA Aviation Museum. And Chris, this is always one of, well, it's one of my favorite kind, in terms of nitpicking and things like that, I just love it when things are just plain out, flat out wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if they got it all right 100%, I guess we wouldn't have anything to do, right? Yeah, exactly. Just sit there and go, wow, great movie. Good so accurate. you made. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is, um, we're getting we're getting ready for re-entry. And, uh, well, first we got, you know, Jack has got to get over his uh, hydrophobia, his fear of all the water all over the panels. But like, uh, like we were saying yesterday, it's not going to short out. And uh, although, you know, even though somebody tells you, that's not going to hurt or something. You're still worried. What if they're terribly wrong? But uh, And I think Jack- that was actually, it, I, maybe I'm mistaken, but I thought I had read somewhere that he actually was concerned about it. Like he did voice yeah. an opinion that, that he was worried about the condensation. Yeah, he did. He did ask about what, you know, have, have they tested anything about it? And I think the answer came back as well. No, but it shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, you know, they did, they did a lot of things with the, I mean, every one of the spaceship, even the ones, you know, the ones that they sent up, they, they put them in these giant ovens and baked them to see what would happen with extremes of temperature and pressure and all, all kinds of stuff. Um, you know, it, it's funny when you look in, when you look in the spacecraft after they've returned, it look the, the inside of the ship looks like it's been lived in for years and years, but that's because <laughs> it, it was lived in for years because they, they tested it every day. They were flipping toggle switches and pushing buttons and so it, it did kind of wear the ink off the <laughs> off the instrument panel, um, but uh, yeah, but I don't think they ever dipped it in the water to see what would happen if, uh, <laughs> if it got soaked. Um, but he he uh, he does get over it, and uh, uh, you know Ken talks him through, and he he turns the thing on, and the the floodlight turn turns on. Uh, we get a nice uh, view of the the model heading toward uh, toward Earth there, and. Um, there's there's this next part that you know that that first part is fine but the, the next part of it where the flight dynamics officer is saying that they're shallowing up in the reentry corridor um because they're underweight and it's like it, then so then they go to the scene where uh, ken is telling uh jim lovell that uh they want him to transfer ballast over from the command module because uh they got to get the weight right, and they were expecting them to be toting hundred couple hundred pounds of rocks. While that's true, the reason that they're giving is is absolutely wrong. the The reason they need to fill up the bottom part of what they call the lower equipment bay, uh, the lower equipment bay, uh, it's it's all about. And Chris, as a pilot, you know this. It's all about center of gravity. That you've got to get the center of gravity right if you want the thing to fly right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, so uh, if they move, if you think of everything that they've been doing, all the mid-course corrections, everything they've been doing on that to aim the ship, the weight has, nothing has left the ship except for the the propellant of of the lunar module. So 
if they're coming in shallow, they're changing where the weight is between the lunar module and the command module isn't going to change their trajectory at all. It's it's like thinking that your cargo plane is going to be a lot lighter if you're full of parakeets and you get them all flying at once. It'll make the the, the cargo plane lighter. It, it, the whole the whole the, the whole body of the ship is is what determines how much mass there is coming at uh, coming at uh, you know coming back to earth so moving it around isn't going to change the reentry angle it's just gonna you know it, it's whether it's on one side or another it doesn't it doesn't really care what what the reason that they were loading up uh, manuals and and any really a lot of extra pieces that they were getting out of the lunar module they were loading it up so that the center of gravity of the remaining uh, spacecraft, the command module that's going to enter the atmosphere, will have enough. Uh, it'll have enough of a change in the center of gravity that the bottom part, the the part at the astronauts' feet, will rise up. It'll have if it has more weight, it'll lift it slightly out of um, the tr- uh, the a- angle of of the interface. So. Uh, the command module will act as a lifting body. It'll, as it bounces along the uh, uh, the Earth's atmosphere as it's re-entering, it provides a, a minor amount of lift, so they can steer it to a specific place. Namely, they're trying to they're trying to hit the water just a little bit east of uh, the Iwo Jima, which is now in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. So if they can steer the right way, they they don't have to send the helicopters too far out to pick them up. Interesting. <laughs> that, I never knew that. So that's. I mean, that's the only. <laughs> It's the only reason they're doing stuff. It's not. It's not because they didn't pick up enough earth rocks and they're gonna, they're gonna hit the Earth's atmosphere wrong. They're just mostly trying to get it so that the the ship is pointed the right way, so that it's not digging in. It, for one thing, it's not digging into the atmosphere the wrong way, and for another reason, it it has it provides a certain amount of lift. The angle that it's re-entering the atmosphere, the way that the the, the bottom is pointing. They really can't. They really can't change their trajectory. They can just change the angle of how the ship is going to hit the Earth. Wow. So, now, is this is this sort of around the time? Maybe not. Not right quite now. But where was the other burn that they don't cover in the film? Was it around it, here? It's. This is kind of a blend. It's in between hour one fourteen and hour one twenty something, twenty five. I'd say. So it's there. There is another burn that they do. Uh, that they that actually does change their entry interface. So it was a little bit shallow. They got a hair inside of where their uh, entry interface was. So that that happened at I think about hour one fourteen. I don't I don't have the the flight journal open right at the moment, but it's 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 in around there. As they're getting down to the last couple of uh, of hours, they they had a little bit more wiggle room and. Uh, the that burn was a little bit longer than the one that they actually showed in this movie because it's a it's a wider you know as we're talking about this cone uh, getting wider and wider as we're getting closer to the earth there's a bigger spot to hit so they had a burn a little longer at the, the, the that third mid course burn than they would have had at the at the second course because you've got to move a little bit further uh, over to to change your your angle of of attack um but uh that was it was is relatively uneventful so they they didn't bother doing it again and uh, it would have made for a two and a half hour movie i guess instead of a two hour movie (laughs) um i think that's where they could have put gene grand's mad because i remember he was uh he was not happy uh when i talked to him about 
he was was telling me about having to do that burn that I guess that's where he maybe was a little less cool than at other points in the mission <laughs> was having yeah. to do that. Yeah, it was I mean, I think he was expecting the flight dynamics people to come back and say everything was good, everything was nominal and it wasn't quite nominal. They they were on the they're really on the edge of acceptable. I mean, if they, they, they didn't have to do the burn, that last burn, but uh, the last burn made it uh, a little bit less than iffy. Um, but still, it was it's kind of, if you look at the, and, and again, I can't stress this enough. If you go to the NASA History Office's website, the Apollo 13 Flight Journal, you can read every last, uh, details that aren't even interesting to us. That I, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it there's uh, there's so much detail in it where you can read about what the uh, what the overlap was for the safe interface and the no, you know the non-safe interface and they were they're on the margin the the, the last mid-course correction brought them I, you know I, of course I should have looked this up before we started recording but anyway it's like it, it brought it like like three three to five percent inside the the margin so it, it was mostly safe um, but I think they would have liked to have been right down the center, but it was, it was still close enough. I also want to point out, you know, as we talk about the James Horner uh, music and soundtrack, that uh, he, only he can make turning on a light switch exciting. Yeah. Um, that's... Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes, all, the, all the, the brass and the strings. And the yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, and it, it just, to me, it, found, it, it sounds like drumming your fingers on a, on a mission control ca- console. You'd be like, clickety clickety. <laughs> uh and and then all the uh he really loves those timpanis like when they're showing the uh the earth coming in <sighs> yeah it's it, it it is it's it's exciting going through a checklist and you know it's never exciting going through a checklist <laughs> <laughs> i've never heard a soundtrack as in my head as i was going through a checklist so <laughs> <laughs> or timpanis forget <laughs> yeah exactly exactly i just think that's cool he's you know, you can really build a lot of tension and drama, and and you know, and you're when you're when you're just sitting here thinking about, it, you're like, well, the guy's just put a circuit breaker in. Yeah, know, it's but... like, uh oh, <laughs> the lights are on. Ooh, da 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 da. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, I just, I, I do love. Nothing, there's no stinger like a uh, James Horner stinger that da 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 da, and, and they, yeah. you know, they keep cutting back and forth. But yeah, like you said, it's just, uh. <laughs> it's, uh, and. You know, usually it, it's funny. I was I was thinking about this with, um, I you know, I, I in my other in my other life I watched I watched a lot of airport movies, and uh, the uh, airport <laughs> like an airport. Oh, excuse me, that was uh, Morty McFly checking. <laughs> 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 always, kids, when you're making a podcast, always make sure that you turn you turn your uh, cell phone to silent. <laughs> Oh, oh, wait, I have to go to the Enchantment of the Sea dance. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> um, but in, in Airport, I was watching a, another movie that I did in those movies by Minutes format, Airport, and every time they went to a checklist, they cut away to something else, and they came back, and it was the uh, the co-pilot saying, checklist complete. It's like, but I wanted to hear the checklist. What do they have to make sure? <laughs> What's the flap setting when you're, you know, when your uh, latrine's been blown up? What? <laughs> So, uh, and that's some of the beauty. If you really get into, if you really get into it, and you're really in, it, so, Airplane is a fantastic, funny movie spoof of you know some of those dramatic uh, air aviation films. But if you're into aviation, they're that much funnier. Um, 
you know, and I love the, the my, one of my favorite scenes in the movie Airplane, it's one that nobody ever quotes, but I just find it hysterical, is, you know, of course when you're planning a flight, you want to look for weather around your route of flight. And in the movie, they're sitting in the cockpit talking about weather at all these different crazy places that they're not going. You know, and they're just, you know, they're going from like, uh, I can't remember where they take off from, and they're going to Chicago O'Hare, I think. You know, and he's like, what about yeah. San Francisco? Like, what about Florida? You know, and they're just like, <laughs> they just like, what's it like over my house? You know, <laughs> so I just, that, that part always tickles me because nobody talks about that they're, uh, they're looking at weather and it has nothing to do with their out of flight. <laughs> It's, 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 I mean, it, it's amazing. I've, um, I've watched, uh, I've, I've talked about this on other shows before, but when you watch Airplane, the funniest parts of that movie are when they're just doing word for word what was in other movies. Like, uh, it, it mostly comes from Zero Hour, which was a, um, yeah, uh, a real, you know, a real movie. And things like we have to find someone who knows some, knows how to fly and didn't have the fish for dinner. And, that's yeah. That's like right out of uh, zero hour. <laughs> it, it, As an air traffic controller, one of my favorite scenes because everybody's ever oh everybody's had the the stuck mic. We've talked about it uh, yeah. on here where they had the the mic open the Vox and and stuff got transmitted that they didn't want transmitted. You know and yeah. And uh, but my favorite line in airplane is when he's like. Uh, our only chance is to build up this man's hope. And he's like, Stryker, have you ever flown a multi-engine plane before? And he's like, no, never. And was Mike still keyed? He just goes, oh, it's hopeless. Let him go out and crash in a lake and avoid killing innocent people. Yes, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> Sorry, we're so off track of a politics. Yeah, team. yeah, yeah. But, you As know, we always do. <laughs> when, when, you know, it's like taking bets in mission control as to whether they were going to come in, you know, in one piece or not. Yeah. Um, I've I've never seen and I've looked I've looked on the Blu-ray version and the regular I, I've never seen outtakes of Apollo 13, but I'm sure they're out there somewhere. And uh, yeah, the, I, you know, I I wondered that. Like, is it weird to have outtakes from a movie that deals with a serious nature? Like, were there Titanic outtakes? You know, like that. Yeah. Uh, I always wondered if like you just if is it something you just don't do or if it's just. It's a movie, so yeah, there's outtakes. I mean, I know there's outtakes, but you know, um, it's, yeah, I wonder if that's why they sometimes they get buried. You know, I mean, yeah, there's got to be a gag reel for this somewhere where they have to, especially the parts where they're, you know, they're spouting all the jargon and they have to get it right the first time. And um, I, I, uh, are there just some movies that you can't that there are outtakes, but they just had to bury them? I wonder. Yeah, yeah, it's like this. This should never see the light of day. And it will. Right. If we. If we get if we get some people on that we hope we can get on we can, maybe we can ask those questions but we're, we're running out of show but we've got to get, we, we might get I know, we might get I know. <laughs> you know if if we ever do get anybody that we that would know the answers to these things and we run out of minutes we'll have to add on minutes at the end of at the end of the program that's all there is to it yes so yeah we'll, absolutely we'll, we'll work around there maybe we can ask if if we can get uh, Brett on again we can ask Brett if uh, yeah. If yeah, there were outtakes in the film, you know. Yeah, I mean they usually show it at the rap party or something, so I think it might it might be worthwhile. <laughs> but yeah, okay, we'll reach out to Brent and see if uh, if he he's he's used to us. He can yes, he yes, he questions. can handle us. <laughs> uh, um, but uh, obviously they're getting close, uh, so they're either you know they're either at hour one fourteen or they're ten ten hours after that. Um, it's all just kind of getting compressed here. Um, it's um. Yeah, this this minute just drives me nuts with uh, with all the stuff. There is, uh, by the way, in the uh, uh, in that Apollo flight journal that I keep talking about. If you go to day six, uh, 
uh, on, uh, and they have so much minutia. I mean, this is a museum curator's dream, Chris. I'm sure it would be. It, it has every piece of paper that was involved with planning and plotting what they were going to do. And this thing that they were talking about, about moving uh, stuff to be stowed on the command module, there's a complete list of they had to bring the cabin air filter bags, they were bringing decontamination bags, uh, the lunar contamination garments that they were going to wear. If they had landed on the moon, they would have had these with them. So they needed those, and they, they put those in different uh, spots. There were a bunch of, uh, if, you'll re if you recall, the lithium uh, ox the lithium hydroxide um, the canisters, the ones that uh, they ran out of in the uh, in the lunar module that they needed from the command module. They had a whole bunch of those, um, and they had a they had to load them and bag them up and put them in uh, different uh, different lockers in in the command module. And if you really are interested in that kind of stuff, there you know there's tons of this stuff on the uh, on the flight journal. But look under a day six. It's uh, the the chapter is called packing up. And it's all about stowing things. Um, you know, it's it's weird how they had everything. I, I mean, it seems weird when you, when you think about how they had an inventory of every single item and where it was on the on the command module. But uh, the the scale of this gets a lot larger when you deal with uh, modern day things like the International Space Station because they have they have cargo ships coming in and they have to keep manifests of everything that's coming in on the cargo ships where they put things where they. Uh, plan on putting things. Um, one of my uh, my space physiology teacher in college, uh, Captain Wendy Lawrence, she was on four different shuttle missions. Uh, she's one of the few people that have been to both the Mir Space Station and the International Space Station. And her job on her final mission was she was kind of the cargo manager for offloading uh, the, uh, the space shuttle and putting stuff in uh, storage lockers. And she was up there for I think 10 days and many most of those days all she was doing was you know stocking the warehouse that was it's <laughs> her job in space but it's you know somebody has to do that and you have to know where every last little bit is so in case you need uh you know some kind of a a, a repair unit for the you know the toilet breaks down you know where all the hoses are and they're in this or that different locker um and they still manage to keep if you ever see well it's easy to see pictures of the space station Notice that everything, right down to the you know the mouse pads and the um, you know the laptops and any kind of uh, 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 utensils that they have, they've all got a barcode on them and they're they're scanned in and out so that people know where where the stuff is. That's wild. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's an amazing. I mean, you never see, you never read about that in science fiction books and stuff. It seems like you know people just kind of float in and do things, but you got to keep track of all this stuff. Otherwise it becomes, um, FOD, you know, it's, uh, it, it, it has to be, has to be taken care of. So that's wild. Wow. Well, uh, I think that's about as far as we can go with this particular minute. It's, it's not, it's not that intriguing. It's partially mistaken, but it's always, it's always good. There's some, there was a nit to pick and I'm glad we could, <laughs> I'm glad we could pick it. Yeah. Uh, we got but, our uh, bud nippers out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that would, uh, uh, on Andy Griffith's show, they'd say that, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's ah, uh, it, it's just uh, it, it it's it's a it. I love this is why you do things in the minute movies by minutes format because there's just so much stuff you can just dig into, and uh, you know, thank goodness the pause control was invented for for movies so you can <laughs> look at things and go that ain't right. Uh, um, I keep thinking, I you know, if 
uh, gosh, our, my impossible dream would be to get Ron Howard on. But if, if I, I know, ever, I know. If we could ever get him on, I always the, the thing I'd want to ask him is, do you make things now specifically for the VCR crowd for the for the people who hit pause? Because it seems like that would be you know that that's like that that might be a an audience unto itself. Yeah, um, yeah, very much so. I, I it's amazing how uh, I think what amazed me was how technical folks truly are that enjoy things like this and you know to me and you or to simply watching you know it on a big screen it whatever the subject matter might be you know it's uh it's not a big deal but then when you start finding out and you really get people that are interested in it, it's like oh man that's way off and here's why you're like oh <laughs> okay i get it you know and kind of like me watching like midway or something or you know and, and it's like okay i yeah, this is kind of my my thing. I understand why maybe sports people get mad if they get a sports fact wrong or something in the movie. You yeah. know, it. Uh, yeah. Well, I, uh, I can imagine it, with your background in helicopters here. Where's the belt drive on that? Pl- I don't understand why you're hearing the squeak, squeak, squeak. Sound. The the, um, the worst part is uh, I think for helicopters is every helicopter in every movie is a Huey. Yes. Um, <laughs> and whether it is or not, you know, you'll see a, you know. Uh, a jet ranger or even a you know an r44 flying around but boy you'll hear a huey every time you know and uh that one always drives me a little crazy <laughs> yeah it it's uh but it, it it's it's well, i know it's shorthand for people who you know if, if you're if you've got your eyes closed you'll know oh there's a helicopter in the scene they don't yeah. <laughs> also i discovered recently that every bad guy who had a helicopter in the 80s had a jet ranger <laughs> and it, the, Bell must have just sold a lot of helicopters to evil guys, you know, in the yeah, 80s. Because yeah, every totally. TV show or movie is, here comes a bad guy in a Jet Ranger. <laughs> yeah, they never, I guess they took cash payment or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I was surprised, you know, I'm also, while we're doing this, I'm also doing one on the Andromeda Strain, uh, the movie The Andromeda Strain. And there's, a, of course, there's, a, there's an Iroquois in that. Yeah. And uh, the fellow that flies it, and of course his name has just gone out of my head. But the fellow that flies it, he was an actual helicopter pilot, and he had a SAG card. And every wow. he, he was in just about every movie you can think of from Blue Thunder to Apocalypse Now. To, he, he, he flew every – if there was a movie made in America that needed a helicopter, they hired this guy because they could film him in the right seat, and he could fly the helicopter and deliver his lines. And it was – that's, that's ingenious, yeah. And he was head of the uh, uh, Hollywood Stunt Pilots Association. That's and wild. For years, he and he would be on like you know everything from he'd be on Emergency and Lassie and you know, and, and the the Bionic uh, Woman and all those all those shows. He and he, uh, I, I'm the, gonna have to look, I'm gonna have to look him up. So if you could <laughs> talk talk for a moment while I, um, but he was. Um, he was in the Andromeda strain. He got to fly a helicopter and pointed his uh, pointed his watch and say, "You're running out of oxygen." Um, but that was his uh, that was his deal. And and like I guess if you're the only game in town, you could get um, you know you could get a lot of straight work for <laughs> for uh, for being up there. Now, ah, I found let me just I found his IMDb entry and uh, let me see. Uh, he played a fellow named Dempsey, and uh, his name was James W. Gavin. And uh, James W. Gavin, uh, 
gosh, he was in he was in the movie Pearl Harbor, the Ben Affleck movie. I don't know what helicopters they had in there, but uh, he was in the uh, oh gosh, he was in the he he was in the Maxwell Smart movie, The Nude Bomb, back in 1980. He played a helicopter hijacker back then, <laughs> and uh, he was in the movie Beyond Westworld, um, The Rockford Files, uh, Chips, of course, Chips and Police Story, SWAT. Earthquake, oh my gosh. Airport 75. Oh, gosh, he was the helicopter pilot in uh, Airport... Oh, no, excuse me. He was a corporate jet pilot in Airport 75. I'm no, going to have to go back and look is, at that. It, which one is the the one with the 747 that the flight attendant has to fly? Which that, one is that? that? That's the one, Airport 75. Okay, okay. She doesn't know how to fly. She's a girl. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. What? <laughs> wow. Yeah, he uh, he was he was in that. Um, I had... I, I do want to do Airport 75. My co-host doesn't want to do it, but my Chris, maybe I can get you to do Airport hey, you 75. Hey, you can you can consider it done. I'm, I'm oh, in. <laughs> I I love <laughs> I love that movie. I just I, there's something about Charlton Heston leaning forward and going, "Climb, baby, climb." Yes, yeah. <laughs> and of course, you you've got my favorite uh, mechanic in the movie, and yes, uh, uh, I'd I'd be all over that too. Yeah. Okay, We're gonna well, need something got, after uh, this, right? I got yeah, I got you penciled in. We'll, we'll have to swing it over to Airport Minute and start the second season. So, yeah, okay. Well, in the meantime, we're gonna finish this season of of Apollo thirteen minutes. So, thanks for hanging with us and going hither and yon. But we will we will return to the subject uh, tomorrow as as we finish out the week. Uh, thanks for for listening to us. If you'd like to reach out to us and tell us your helicopter experiences or. Um, yeah, if you've done stunt pilot work, please let us know. Uh, always available on social media at Facebook on um, Apollo 13 Minute uh, Apollo 13 Minute Mission Control or on um, Twitter Twitter at uh, Apollo 13 Minute. Love hearing from you. So uh, reach out to us there. If you've missed any of our previous episodes, and there are now, gosh, there'll be 115 of them as of tomorrow. So uh, check them out on the big site Apollo13Minute.com. Also available all the time on uh, places like Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, and uh, Google Play. So uh, we will see you here tomorrow. It looks like we're coming up on uh, Loss of Signal in about 30 seconds. So we will see you here, yes, definitely for Friday on the Apollo 13 Minute.